everyone, I'm Maricela Herrera, and this is Shit, I Just Quit My Job. You know, it's it's funny. I actually didn't just quit my job. It's almost been six months since my last day of work. Um, do you think I should remove just from the title? I've been playing around with that idea because, to be fair, people in branding, me included, <laughs> would probably say it's the right call to take it out. If the title is, should I quit my job? It's shorter, it's pithier. It also makes the podcast not time bound. So what I was saying before about the fact that I didn't just quit my job and my feminist peeps (laughs) might also agree that the word just is a word we over utilize and we get a lot of shit for it justice like sorry in a way they're words that we use to minimize the things that we do so i just wanted to circle back i just wanted to check in on that project i just want to make sure you got my email there's no reason to minimize that there's no reason to minimize anything Whatever it is, we use the word just a lot. And and okay, I'm being unfair because in this case, it's different. This was a time situation. I had just literally quit my job <laughs> when I started toying around with the name of this podcast. But now, now, like many things, like many things we carry around that we shouldn't, might be time to let it go. I'll give it some thought. Honestly, I should have probably asked my guest what she thinks about this question, this conundrum. Because today you'll hear from Madeline Schwartz. She's a communication coach with a background in project management, marketing, design. We talk about her story and her journey, but as always, I ask a lot about how she made the decisions she made and how she ended up here and how she connects the dots between one and the other. And it's, and it's interesting. She's, she's right. She's always been a storyteller at heart. Madeline has some great energy and I think, I think you'll feel it coming through in this interview. I had a blast talking to her and I hope you enjoy the episode as well. Could you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So I'm Madeline Schwartz. I am a communication and career coach, and I like to think of my job like cooking. So I give people a recipe to take all of the ideas in your head and put them together in a way that makes sense and tastes good to other people. Oh, I like that. I had not heard you say that before, and I really like that. Yeah. One of the things that I teach people to do is to talk about what you do through the lens of something else that you like to do in your personal life because it can make it a lot more fun and relaxed. It, like, infinitely increases the chances of sparking a connection. And so I like to cook in my personal life, and that's how I came up with that. That's awesome. I, I like that. I should I should start thinking about that 
uh, I was just taping another interview and we were going down a rabbit hole because this person is also kind of in the same boat as I am figuring out what's next. And she's also a generalist. And we're both like, I, we don't know how to even explain what we do or, you know, what is next. And it's a weird feeling. So I like that, that tip. You know, it's funny because I actually saw your post about this today. And I think if you just ask people about something that they like to do, it gives them more opportunity to expand or to answer it in an expansive mm -hmm. way. So if someone is not working or between jobs or just got laid off, you could still tell people what you like to do in your spare time. And it creates more opportunities to answer the question in different ways. Yeah, I like that. So how did you define that you were going to be a coach, but also specifically working on communication? So I talked to a lot of coaches, but not everyone has such a clear focus is what I've realized. Yeah. Well, there are a couple different reasons, really two reasons that I decided to focus on communication. So I spent a long time working in window display and experiential marketing for um, multinational brands. And what I saw was that people who were really good at one part of their jobs, like amazing creative problem solvers, weren't always very good at being able to talk about their ideas and sell them to other people. And that wasted so much time and money. And was the downfall of so many projects that I worked on. Um, and also, you know, my per personal experience was that used to be a problem for me. Like, mm. I used to be terrified of public speaking. I was always really good at connecting with people one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two. But anything more than one-on-three left me just so paralyzed with fear. And getting on the other side of that fear was probably the single most transformative experience of my adult life. And so when I had decided to leave the industry that I was in, that is the problem that I wanted to solve. How did you get over that fear? Well, I had this job where I had a boss give me feedback and tell me that I was too quiet. And that was not the most constructive feedback that yeah. I've been like, how does that help in my career or, or really like some of the most painful feedback that I had ever gotten As, and and it was actually followed with and it's weird that you don't talk more in meetings and you know I was pointed towards zero resources to <laughs> help me get past this fear and it had the opposite effect of what I imagined right. this person intended. I did not suddenly start raising my hand and <laughs> sharing a lot of thoughts in meetings because I was more self-conscious and more shut down about it. And when I left that job, I just decided this is not going to be the thing that defines the rest of my career. And I made my way to a Toastmasters group 
And when I first went, I was actually like, no way, there is no way I am going to do this and stand up in front of a bunch of strangers and tell stories. And so I avoided it for a while, but I eventually found my way back and ended up really liking it very quickly and spent a long time in that group, became president of the club, mentored a lot of people and decided it was something that I loved doing and wanted to spend more time doing. And I also took some improv classes for fun and found that really helpful and just saw that there was a need for more training for creative people and and also training out there not done by people who went to acting school because if we had gone back to me when I was that person who was so scared and you had put me in a room with someone who had gone to acting school who was gonna teach me I would have been like no like this is for you because you went to acting school when really it's just a skill that anybody can learn it's like baseball and clarinet and knitting you have to practice. So I am having a reaction to this because I am like you. I was very, I was very quiet, and people still don't don't think that whenever I say I was very shy, people are like, "Really?" I was very shy. I would not speak anywhere. Uh, I'm very comfortable speaking in public, and I got that I wasn't. I really wasn't. I got it from practice, 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 right? But I'm taking improv mm -hmm. and it is crushing my soul. It's so hard, so hard. And yes, a lot of the people there are actors or mm -hmm. have some sort of training that I don't. So it is, yeah, it's well, really hard. So you might be taking improv at the wrong place. I'll just say that, like, I took a class at Magnet, and maybe I just lucked out, but my class, I think there was only one person in the class who was trying to be an actor, and the rest of us were, you know, a lot of professionals, a lot of socially awkward or introverted people <laughs> who were there because they wanted to improve their communication skills or because they wanted to meet some new people and have some fun, and it not that it was never uncomfortable, but like, right. I have never laughed so hard for so many continuous hours, and I had the best time. But I have taken some drop-in classes at other places. And one time I went to a drop-in class, and the teacher there normally teaches level four, and I wanted to cry in the warm-up. <laughs> That's me every Thursday. <laughs> yeah, right. And 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 so that, you know, it that was not a fun experience where I stuck it out and stayed for the class, but I have never gone back. So we'll see if I keep going. <laughs> anyway, going back to your uh, story, because we went into kind of this, I, I asked you questions about your current work, but you were working at big companies. Why did you decide to change that? Because it's a big change from that to going on your own. Yeah. Well, so I feel like I need to back up and share another Please. transition that I made. <laughs> another job that I quit. 
10 years. I'm all for it. Before then, because at the time, like I had been working at this very large company and I had, I was ready to go. I had been there for three years. I was interviewing and just ready to leave for a number of reasons. And I had planned my resignation date like many months in advance and, and also booked a trip. So I had booked a trip to Peru, planned my resignation date, and I thought I was going to get a job, go on vacation, and come back and start this new job. And that's not how things worked out. <laughs> so my resignation date and, and travel plans got closer and I was in fourth round interviews at two different places and I would have been happy at either one but I didn't have an offer yet and I also hadn't asked for the vacation time and I didn't work at the kind of place where you could ask two weeks in advance like hey can I take the next week and a half off and I had also you know been very resolute of like this is when I'm leaving this job I am done this particular environment and so I was two weeks out and I decided well I'm still gonna resign I can't disappear for 10 days I can't ask for the vacation time so I quit and went to Peru and by the time I came back I had heard from one organization that I didn't get the job and then I didn't get the second job, although I didn't hear for a few more weeks or no months. But in the midst wow. of that, yeah, yeah, in the midst of that, the market crashed in 2008. Mm. So I had resigned, and then the market crashed, and then there were no jobs in my yeah, field. That was a shitty time. Yeah, there were just there were no brands hiring for what I was doing, and I freelanced for a bit. And then one of my vendors who had done a lot of work with me, he called me and he offered me a job. And I said, sure, great. And so that's how I moved over to this other side of the business where then I was doing account and project management. And I liked that um, for a long time. Like I, I liked the variety of it. I got to work with a lot of different brands and creative aesthetics. And I went from working at a pretty big corporate environment to a very, very small family-run business. And so I had been in this other environment and I had also had the experience of quitting a job without having another one lined up. And despite what my parents thought about it, like I landed on my feet, I made my way through it. I, you know, made a transition that I worked in for, I don't know, I think another eight years. And so I had some precedent for, for making big changes. When you book that trip, like the first one, were you using that? kind of as a deadline oh yes absolutely i i pick my resignation date on the plane home from a business trip that was not a good trip and like a very decisive moment of this is a place that i am like done working and so i had just looked at the calendar and given myself a few months and been like i'm i'm leaving on this date 
I just thought I would have another job lined up. Right. If you didn't have your trip to Peru booked, do you think you would have stayed for longer? Probably. I was fairly risk-averse at the time. Like, I would not have purposely left a full-time job. (laughs) Something else lined up. Um, But I had also just gotten to the point where it was really affecting my health. It was such a stressful, toxic environment that I made a decision. And having that deadline really did push me to apply to a lot of jobs and go on a lot of interviews. How are you dealing with that uncertainty coming back from your trip? Because one thing is when you leave, you know, you're on vacation in a way. So you probably had that like feeling of like, oh, I still don't have anything. But you had the other interviews lined up and then you come back and those two have not are not moving. And like you said, it's really shitty time um, considering the the market. Right. Well, when I initially got back, you know, I think there was another month or two before the markets crashed. And so I definitely had that uncertainty of coming back and not knowing what I was doing. And God, I don't even remember like exactly what, how I got through that. Um, Besides really like not taking too much stock in what my parents thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) Those voices in your head will never, will never go away. Yeah. Uh, well, but you got this job through someone you had worked with into a very different setting. Did at any point there being in that job, were you ever like, mm, I kind of want to go back to the other thing I know? Or were you just like, this is, this is a good new challenge? There were certainly times that I thought oh it's cushier on the other side of the Mm -hmm. business I miss that side but at the same time like when I worked for a brand I also spent a lot of time standing on ladders in store windows at three o'clock in the morning (laughs) so I think I knew that like neither side was the glamour that I thought it was going to be Um, when I had changed and it was more that my sights were always set on like I am eventually going to do something else so you were you were always thinking that even when you went into this job yeah I didn't know what it was going to be I had always wanted to start a business like all through my 20s I talked about starting a business and I had various ideas I just hadn't figured out what it was going to be or arrived at something that felt feasible a business in New York City because I had lots of ideas that included a storefront. Interesting. And at times I thought I wanted to own like a pie shop. But financially, like that did not seem feasible. In New York City. Yeah. And I was pretty certain I would hate baking pies pretty quickly. (laughs) But I did know like eventually I wanted to do something else. And the way I came to that part was, so I was working at another experiential design and build agency and I had a two-year-old at the time and I burnt out on the work, 
on the hours, on the lifestyle, on all of the garbage that was created by, you know, the type of work that I was doing. And it, and by garbage, I mean, like, it was really cool work, but, like, things going into a landfill at the end. Interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. literal garbage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, beautiful work, <laughs> but misaligned with yeah. my values and what was important to me. So I was trying to figure out how to pivot and I hired a career coach and we were narrowing down a very disparate list of possibilities to just a few. And then in the midst of that, over the course of a week, I sprained my ankle on a job site and then I got laid off a week later. Oh, yeah, the company that I was working for very suddenly went bankrupt, and I was relieved of my job. And so, you know, my job quit me. And that really was my sign from the universe where I just decided I am not going to go get another project manager job at a different type of company. I am ready to do something completely different. Like, I've always wanted to start a business. This is the time I should do it because the security of a full-time job had quit me. Um, and, and that really propelled me to make a big change. And I didn't know, I still wasn't sure what it was going to be and was pretty lost that summer. So I had really badly injured my ankle and spent most of the summer at home laid up. Um, and one of my friends recommended reading The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Never heard of this. Oh, really great book. Very 70s. Um, but I loved it. I read the whole thing. I did all the activities. It was my summer of soul searching. And at the end of the summer, I decided I'm going to enroll in a coach training program and I'm going to start a business. And this is what I meant to do. I'm always fascinated with coaches and their coaches. When you were working with your career coach, you said you were exploring a bunch of disparate possibilities and paths. Was starting a business within those or was it what kind of possibilities were you looking at? Yeah, so a, some was like project manager at a different type of company. I knew I wanted to get out of building like physical things. I had decided I want to work on projects where something can't like fall off a shelf or fall from the ceiling and kill somebody. <laughs> like that was more stress than I was willing to like continue dealing with on a daily basis. So I had been looking at project manager jobs at other types of companies. I had been looking at nonprofit jobs. Like I definitely had explored with this coach how much public speaking and mentoring was an interest and you know, was interested in coaching. I was that person who, who friends would always call for career advice and they'd help them prep for interviews and such. And so those were three different things that stayed on the smaller list when we honed it. Um, but there were a lot of, a lot of possibilities. It's so interesting. The three things that you said, right? It's project management, nonprofits of like more mission based work and career coaching. They seem so different. And yet, if you're starting a business of this type, there can be so related because you're mm -hmm. still going to project manage everything you do. 
you're doing it for a reason. Like there is a mission behind helping other people. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see it, how those kind of come out from, from your discovery. And when I first started my business, people had a lot of questions about how I went from window display design to coaching and what was the relationship to communication. And at first I had a lot of uncertainty about it too. And what I realized over time was the common thread is storytelling, right? Like the thing that I learned designing window displays was how to get a message across in seconds because the work that we did determined whether or not people came into the store. Right. And before I worked in window displays, I actually, I spent a few years working in book publishing and I did publicity for a design book publisher. So there I wrote press releases and I placed authors and books in national media. So I had always been telling stories just in a variety of different formats. And it took me a while to get to the point where I was comfortable telling them out loud. Wow. So you had to figure out your own story, how you were going to tell that. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And once I figured out that there was this common thread between all of those things, it made it so much easier to talk about it and show and connect the dots for other people. So you're forced out of this job, which you were already thinking of leaving, right? Like you were already thinking of going in a different route. How scared were you of finally saying, I'm going to go into business for myself. So scared. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, I was fairly risk averse. I never would have quit a full-time job to start a business. And I, when I look back, I'm so grateful that it happened because, again, I don't think I would have had the guts to do it had that not happened. So, yeah, I was absolutely scared. I mean, at the time... I was scared of all of the big changes, Mm. right? Like I was scared quitting the previous job and going on a trip without knowing what I was coming back to. But this is what I would say to my younger self is decisions don't get easier with time, right? There are no crystal balls. And, and they don't get easier with more research, with more people's opinions, right? I used to spend a lot of my time asking other people of their opinion of what to do. And that seems like a really good decision-making strategy until you get 10 different opinions. And then you're trying to sort through that as well as your own uncertainty. Yeah. And so did I know... I would love running a business. Absolutely not. Like, have I had points of running a business where I thought, oh, I didn't know I was signing up for this. (laughs) Like, absolutely. But I have only found that out because I made the decision to go forward and try it. How did you get out of just asking people or analysis paralysis so to speak you know asking people about opinions and like research and all that one of the things that i had done with the career coach was she recommended for anything that i was considering to do three informational interviews in that area and i appreciated that 
piece of advice because if you only talk to one person, you might get mm-hmm. a really slanted view. You know, either they love it and you don't hear about any of the drawbacks or they hate it and it might dissuade you from pursuing something that you uh, really want to do. And so I did a lot of informational interviews and, um, you know, felt like I had collected information enough information to to go forward but really like to answer your question how did I get away from making decisions that way it's something that happened more more recently getting a lot of coaching on that particular thing around like how I was making decisions and and learning how to trust myself and and really, like, not try to predict the future because, again, there are no crystal walls. And so, you know, you can look, you can try to look into the future and plan out everything that could happen if you do A or everything that could happen if you do B or me, like C and D. <laughs> but it, there, there is no way to tell that unless you actually put one foot in front of the other. And I remember actually reading this great article. It was by the, the, prof- the I think they're Stanford professors who wrote the book, Design Your Life. And I, I think it was from that, that they have a bunch of, you know, exercises to help you figure out your direction, but they also recommend making a contingency plan. And I made my contingency plan. I threw it in a drawer right? Like it's probably still on like a little scrap of paper in, in a drawer. And I just had a plan for like, well, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm going with plan A, right? I'm going to start a business. And if plan A doesn't work out, then I'm going to go back and open up this piece of paper and see what I wrote down for plan B. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, that was to work in nonprofits. Okay. How did you decide on coaching? I, I know you said putting together like the thread but it feels like that was kind of after you had decided to go into coaching Mm -hmm. so like how did you decide to become a career coach yeah it I mean it was one of the things that I had definitely explored with my coach like something in the vein of career coaching because I had always helped people like prep for interviews and had friends tell me oh you're really good at this and they would talk to me about career advice and so it was an idea I just wasn't aware that it was really a career if you didn't want to be like a school counselor or such that's how it became more of a reality from actually like working with someone who was doing that and deciding oh I think I would like to do that what's been the hardest thing as you've been on your own the hardest thing is being Mm self-directed right like everything is your responsibility which um in some ways is great like it's great to set your own schedule until it's not great right if you don't like your hours then you can only point to you as the person who's in charge (laughs) it's all your fault of of your schedule um and so it has required a tremendous amount of learning and agility because 
you know, I think I had thought because I worked at a lot of very, very small companies that I had more like business knowledge that I was bringing to coaching and, you know, maybe a little bit like minutely more than some people, but it did not in any way prepare me for actually um, running a business and like the immense number of things that you get to learn and like expand in your skill set and your comfort zone, like doing new things. So that that has been um, definitely like the biggest the biggest stretch, uh, the biggest challenge, the biggest surprise. Yeah, I think about this a lot because as I'm as I'm going through my my period of reinvention, I think about do I want to start something? Do I want to do something on my own? And I I freeze when I start thinking about it because I feel on the business side, I feel like I have a lot of of, of knowledge. The idea of having to put yourself out there to make any revenue to get new clients to get like that paralyzes me like that is I think the one thing that I would fear the most well I can relate to that like that has definitely been part of the learning curve and expansion for me especially as someone who's an introvert like I cannot describe how paralyzing it was to put myself on social media something that I did not do at all zero like never had a Facebook account before becoming a coach and like signing up for Facebook only to keep in touch with my coaching cohort and so I can also remember like publishing my very first blogs and how that might or or newsletter and like that might take days at the beginning and I'd go through so many drafts because I was trying to get those things perfect. And now, like, thinking of the ease with which they happen now, right? Like, it it's just like communication, right? You are building your muscles in doing something new. And, and that's not to say there's never, like, a vulnerability hangover after sharing something. Mm-hmm. But it's so much easier than it used to be. Like the things that used to be hard are no longer the things that are hard. And as you continue in a business, like you're, you have new, new challenges to solve. Yeah, it's practice. Like you said, like building that muscle and exercising. Yeah, it. and I also remember when I first. My very first website for my business, I had asked a mentor to read my copy before I published it. And I and he agreed and I told him, okay, I'll send it when I'm ready, when it's ready. And he gave me the best advice, which was do it before you're ready. Like send it before you're Ooh. ready. And that's advice that I have really carried with me and used in a lot of different scenarios right if you wait until you're ready you might never make a move it's funny because i used to tell my team all the time all the time i like the amount of times i said the words done is better than perfect like i I have no idea how many times i've said that but i've said it so much and yet now here i am before like posting 
anything I find myself like but it's not <laughs> ready but it's not it's, it's I still have to work on this I still have to work on this and it's it's funny like you never I, I don't take my own advice clearly yeah it's harder to implement for for yourself or it can feel more personal when you're doing things and putting yourself out there as opposed to putting the company that employs you out there. Yes. Yes. I talk a lot with people who kind of have gone through two or more transitions. And it's always interesting to me how people see the first one so differently than the second time, both because of experience, because you've grown, because everything. But you still would go back and tell yourself something. You still would give yourself a little bit more advice or done things a little differently. So I'm curious, would you have done anything differently in the first turnaround and then now? Yeah. Well, I think in the first one, like if I, and I, I did not feel like I had the this type of relationship with my boss but if I had just been upfront about the fact that I was interviewing and leaving I think I would have handled that situation differently right like not felt so much pressure about like not all of the made-up doctor's appointments I had on interviews like that which people know yeah. like it's funny right like right. but but that was like a really stressful situation, you know, that I was in this incredibly stressful job and then feeling like I had to hide the fact that I was interviewing. And so I might have handled that differently or, you know, maybe like not quit right away if I had felt like I could have gone and negotiated like, hey, actually, I need to take 10 days off. So, you know, that's the one thing that I probably would have navigated a little differently, but I still don't regret leaving just because it was like time to go and move on. And that it, it really made a transition that I don't think I would have made otherwise, right. Of like moving over to this other side of the business and trying out like an entirely new set of skills from going from designer to project manager and account manager and really like that switch is also part of the very practical training that I got for what I do now because I you know one of the areas of communication I work with people on is team communication and building relationships and and how to navigate conflict across especially like cross-functionally and because I was both the designer and then more on the business side. And there is so, so much conflict between those two groups, like in any creative business I've ever seen, like design versus, you know, the business people. And so it, it just uniquely positions me to help solve those problems and help those different kinds of teams talk to each other and collaborate. Like, I wouldn't have learned that had I not been thrown into that, like, new position that I hadn't imagined for myself. You just mentioned this, right? Like, team communication and that aspect. I'm curious what other type of work you see the most as a coach in this specific 
lane of communication? Like, is it people's stories and how they tell them and how they brand themselves? Like, is it more on that branding side or is it more corporate, like in internal? Yeah. So I work with a lot of people in corporate who are working on team communication, communicating as leaders and improving their presentation skills. So if they are speaking at a conference, if they are giving a big presentation in front of 200 clients, if they are presenting at, you know, the all hands meeting, those are all things that I help them with. And I have also worked with entrepreneurs on telling their story and speaking, you know, giving business talks or speaking at conferences, for instance. So a lot of more like this public speaking. Yes. It's just funny because to go from where we started this conversation where you were saying you were super scared of mm -hmm. doing that. Yeah, it is. So, you know, just like it was for me, like completely transformative and changed everything about the way I communicate with other people, the way I lead, what I decided to do with my career, like being able to help facilitate that change for other people is so gratifying to like see the impact of the work that I do now. Yeah, you're doing you're doing the thing. <laughs> Thank you, Madeline. This was good. This was so cool to actually ask you these questions. I've never actually asked you about how you ended up doing yeah, this. Yeah, it was so fun to come and talk to you. And, you know, there's one more thing that I wanted to share because it, it relates to your question about, you know, how I made the decision and how I talk about it now. And just you know, one more piece of advice, and it's something that came up with one of my clients recently where he was talking about his current pivot and how he described it as he had made a weird left turn. And what I said to him was, maybe there are no left turns. Like, maybe it's just like UPS, right, where they eliminated all their left turns on their driver routes, and it's all just a series of right turns. And so, you know, instead of looking back at where I might have made different decisions at the time, or, you know, if you're in that place of analysis paralysis or anyone listening is in that place of analysis paralysis, like if you just think about it, like there are no weird left turns that the choices that you make now, right, it's all right turns and they are going to get you to the future thing of where you are meant to be and where you want to be. Thank you. I needed that. I feel like I've been doing a series of uh, <laughs> weird left turns in the last uh, year and a half, more or less. So it's, it's good to hear that. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Should I Just Quit My Job? Please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really helps. I love hearing from you. Thank you massively to everyone who's written to me or reached out on LinkedIn. You can find me at quitmyjobpod at gmail.com or on LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening. 